Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. Did you know that Arizona is now being labeled the Semiconductor Central of the United States? Semiconductors are the nation's fifth largest export, accounting for $49 billion in 2020. As the U.S. looks to increase chip production and fulfill its semiconductor needs on its own, Arizona is quickly emerging as the base for Arizona's industry growth and success. In fact, Arizona has skyrocketed to number three in the nation with 107 semiconductor establishments operating here, including Intel, Avnet, TSMC, OnSemi, and many, many others. Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm your host, Karen Nowicki, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcast monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discuss the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. And with that, let's give a warm welcome to today's features guest. We have Angela Creeden, Arizona Public Affairs Manager for City, County, and Higher Education at Intel. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for having me. We are excited to have you. And, and you are new to this role or new to Intel altogether? I'm actually new to Intel. I've been there, I think this is week eight for me. Wow. We're so thrilled to have you and uh, welcome. Now, new to Arizona as well? No, I'm an Arizona native, so proud to be born and raised here in Arizona. Very good. Well, welcome and thank you for representing Intel and that role that you have. Also with us today, Alex Yurio, who is the Senior Vice President of Supplier Development at Avnet. Welcome, Alex. Thank you very much, Karen. And very you're you're brand here. new with Av- Avnet, right? <laughs> I have just a, a little more than eight weeks, but uh, it sounds like Angela is a high tech veteran. I've been with Avnet for almost forty years. Is that unusual to be in this industry? In and I'm sure you've had various roles, but is that unique, or do you find that that's common? So I think you know, with Avnet um, having that kind of tenure is not that unusual. But if you think about it, you know, when I joined the company, we were a $750 million concern. You know, we'll cross over $20 billion this year, right? So the expansion of the infrastructure really allowed you to expand with the company. So we could do things that others, you know, might take uh, three or four stops at other companies. We were able to ride the tide of our expansion. So not so unusual with us, certainly unusual in high tech. Love it. And I know that you are both extremely busy and we feel very fortunate to have you taking time out from your day to day to join us. So thank you both. Joining me as well today uh, is Bianca Boliga, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Council to help us discuss Arizona's transformation into a leader for the new semiconductor investments due to the state's highly skilled workforce, dynamic technology ecosystem and premier investment environment. And I would love for Bianca to introduce herself and say a few things about Arizona Technology Council. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Karen. So pleased to be here today filling in for Steve Zylstra, our president and CEO, as he is jet setting on his way to South America right now. So I'm really pleased to be here. Um, I would love to just share a little bit about the Arizona Technology Council for those who are unfamiliar, but we are the leading networking association for science and technology companies here in Arizona. We have about 700 technology companies who are members of the council, and they range in size from smaller early stage startups to larger corporations that are household names. We host about 150 virtual or in-person events annually, so we stay pretty busy. And we do offer our member organizations a variety of resources to grow their innovation and capacity. And some of those things include an association healthcare plan, a multiple employer 401k plan, discounted tuition for degree programs at certain in-state educational institutions, and much, much more. That's just the beginning of it. Um, we also do a lot of advocacy work, and that's centered on tech-based pro-growth and business-focused agendas at the federal, state, and local levels. In fact, I am super proud to share that our 2022 public policy guide has just been released, and that showcases our 2022 legislative priorities, including creating an equitable statewide STEM ecosystem, advancing clean energy initiatives, funding education from preschool through graduate school, and a variety of other pressing issues. I'm not going to cover it all, but if you ever have any questions or want to learn more about the council, you can visit us at aztechcouncil.org. Ah, wonderful. I don't know, you gave Steve a run for his money. <laughs> well, I try, I try. Well done, yes. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm very excited about today's conversation. Let's uh, back up just a little bit before we start uh, talking about some of the topics we have on hand. And uh, I would love for each of you to uh, speak to your individual company. You know, who are you in the sem semiconductor industry? Give us a little summary. And then also, what is your role? And then we'll just uh, continue to go from there. So either Angela or Alex would love for one of you to start. Angela, please. All right, Alex, I'll jump right in. Uh, well, for those who don't know, Intel develops and manufactures technology that really powers data centers and hundreds of millions of smart and connected devices worldwide. So it's really no secret that um, Intel has been a U.S. manufacturing powerhouse and has led the world really in high-tech advanced manufacturing operations. So it's an exciting time for me to join Intel, and so I hope you uh, catch a little of my enthusiasm uh, for those who don't know, uh, Pat Gelsinger is a relatively new CEO to Intel. Uh, he has previously spent many, many years at, at Intel, then went to be the CEO of VMware and is now back at Intel. And it is evident to me that he has an abundance of energy. He's got extremely ambitious goals. And we all know that the culture is set from the top. So we have just really got an exciting um, plan ahead of us for Intel as we look to expand not only here in Arizona, but we have construction projects going on in Oregon and New Mexico and Ireland and Israel. And it's just an amazing time to be in this industry with an accelerated drive for the need for semiconductors, doubling the market size. Um, it's just going to be an amazing time to be with this company. So I look forward to telling you more about what's happening in our Chandler operations, as well as uh, other parts of the country. But uh, Alex, I'll let you go. Well, th thank you uh, very much. I couldn't agree more how exciting a time it is. And as we established earlier, I've been through a few cycles. You know, when you think of Avnet in, in, its, in its most base context, context, we're a distributor 
for the greatest semiconductor manufacturers in the world, greatest component manufacturers in the world. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're a $20 billion concern. About 75, or excuse me, 75% of that revenue is the result of semiconductor uh, shipments on behalf of partners like Intel and, and other semiconductor names. Our supply chain practice, you know, really is the underpinnings of what we do. Actually, we're a distributor, but we think of ourselves as a design chain and a supply chain. So as Intel you know, educates our technical people, allows us to go out and touch the mass market and proliferate in all kinds of segments with their architectures, then we're also prepared at the same time to be able to fulfill it around the world. You know, it used to be that the supply chain portion of what we do was a given, you know, that it was the mundane, you know, but today with all the issues that we have, particularly in the semiconductor supply chain, but I think it spills everywhere, uh, supply chain has really come to the forefront not trying to position that as the good thing that's happening, you know, in these constricted times, uh, but at least there are companies like Avnet that can provide solutions for them over time. Semiconductor may not be an industry that some of our listeners are f- uh, familiar with. Can we talk a little bit about what industries really rely heavily on semiconductors and what products can we most commonly find them in? So, Angela, if you want to take a shot at that first, I'd be happy to. Yeah, so semiconductors are really the building block of modern technology. I mean, you can find silicon chips. They're everywhere. They're um, in your automotive vehicles. You've got uh, manufacturing technologies. You've got smartphones and tablets and computing and data centers and the internet. I mean, you can see that everything has been digitized. So you can really find chips in just about any device. And if there's one thing that COVID taught us is how reliant we are on chips. And so that may and may not be a great thing, but right now, you know, due to the shortage, but right now it has really raised the awareness of our reliance on chips and how important that is to our everyday lives. Just absolutely couldn't agree more. You know, we think in terms of what segments are driving this, and really the answer is all segments are driving this. We talk about it in terms of electrification, right, of of our world. And I don't like that term because, you know, technically that means we're bringing power. And we're not just bringing power. I prefer electronification. We're bringing functionality. And frankly, we're automating everything, right? And, And rather than talk about every segment where, you know, your refrigerator is now smart or your toaster is smart or your car becomes the hub, I always think in these terms. A rice cooker historically has been a fire pot and water. Today, a rice cooker is the single biggest application for power semiconductors in the world. So I'll suggest if we can automate that, there's pretty much not going to be anything we can't do. I, I mean, for, for people listening, my jaw literally yeah. just dropped in response to that. I I think people have no idea oftentimes no idea. how often they're um, interacting with semiconductors or these chips with their everyday products that they're using. Without question, Angela mentioned uh, automotive, and only ten years ago, you know, the, the industry analysts were looking at a mid-sized car platform and saying that there was five hundred dollars of semiconductor or chip content in the vernacular. Today, on our line card, there's on the Avnet line card, we're proud to say we probably have three manufacturers that each have those types of dollars in the car, and it just continues to grow. As a quick follow-up question to Angela and Alex, I'm curious, 
which industries do you think rely most heavily? Or is there a top three industries that rely on semiconductors most heavily right now? I, I mean, Angela, I got views on that, but as you noticed, I'll talk the whole program. So <laughs> no, feel free to jump right in. Well, I, yeah, I, I think I think there are. I think it, it's kind of funny that that the automotive industry and the functionality that we talked about up to this point, and it's fantastic. Okay, you know, as an example, in our funnel of innovators, right, separate companies that contribute to the automotive industry, we have three hundred innovators there, and they're not just working on infotainment, right? There's harsh environment applications, text blocking, you know, radio communications positioning. It's the it's the whole shot. And you've heard a lot about that, right? You've heard that dignitaries from, you know, some of the EU nations came to visit the chip manufacturers. And I'm sure Pat got a visit, um, you know, to try to increase that supply. But today, they represent less than 10% of overall consumption. And in 2022, they're forecasted to represent less than 10%. But the angle of incidence of, of, the, of the proliferation within the vehicles is creating a pull, but you could use that as a metaphor for almost any industry, including fire, pot, and water. <laughs> Angela, please. I think you captured it perfectly, and I, I'm loving the rice analogy. My son uses his rice cooker literally I, I, all, it's all, a, all the time. We can all, all relate, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So obviously, it's no secret that Arizona has become a major player in the semiconductor industry. In fact, the Semiconductor Industry Association, the SIA, says that Arizona is number three in the nation with 107 semiconductor establishments operating here. What factors contribute to Arizona's growing leadership? Well, Alex, I can jump in there if you'd like. Please. Intel has been in Chandler now for over 40 years. So we have invested in the state of Arizona. We've committed significant time, resources. But the key to Arizona has really been that it's been a very conducive environment, a very positive business environment to develop and manufacture semiconductors. Everything from our education environment, our workforce development to supply chain and more, Arizona just has a long track record of success. And so it's because of that ecosystem of innovation that we've been allowed to announce our newest plans to build two new fabs here in Arizona, a $20 billion investment uh, right there in Chandler. It's because of organizations like the Arizona Commerce Authority or the City of Chandler, the Tech Council, GPEC. It's really been an incredible environment with positive solutions for change that have really fueled our industry. Not to mention the weather is great here in Arizona, but it has been a very good environment for us. Before, a little unseasonably warm, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who can say that it's 80 in November, right? Other than us right. Arizonans who, yeah, who have been... Uh, us. Yeah, we, nobody. Exactly. Uh, before we have Alex jump in, uh, just a little bird walker side note. Uh, before my kids were born, I was an assistant principal for Kyrene School District. And at the time, Intel donated the land to this public school uh, right behind their um, place on Chandler Boulevard, right? And so it was the first business school partnership in the country. And I was asked to be the assistant principal. And I absolutely was so honored because we then created this business school alliance. We involved parents, the community. So when, Angela, when you speak to that, um, you know, Intel loves Arizona and Arizona loves, loves Intel, absolutely. For as long as I can remember, you can't go two doors down in any neighborhood without somebody, you know, in your neighborhood being an Intel employee and, and representing the company really well. 
I got to do two internships in the summer when I was not at the school. And actually, I will say it's why I'm doing what I do today, because I got bit by this this business bug and organizational development. And uh, so anyway, just thought I'd share that because it's Intel is very dear to my heart, even though I haven't been, you know, a longtime uh, employee. I'm certainly a great fan. Well, we'd love to hear that. We have, you know, over 12,000 employees right here in Arizona, and that's going to grow to over 15,000 yes. when we finish these two new fabs. So I'd love to hear that we're engaged in the community. We have a strong commitment to that, strong commitment to our educational system. So your example is a perfect example of the way Intel likes to contribute back. Indeed, they do. Alex, we'd love to hear from you as well I, as it relates to Arizona and the ecosystem. I don't know how much... Uh, you know, how much I could add to Angela's answer, you know, we certainly haven't been here for 40 years, but we did make a very similar decision in 1999 to move our headquarters to Arizona for all the reasons we talked about, which really translate into the conducive uh, business conditions. I, I can compete in one area, though, Angela. We're celebrating our 100th anniversary as a company this year. And as a matter of fact, uh, this week, Sandra Watson, on behalf of Governor Ducey, uh, visited our celebration at our corporate headquarters in uh, Phoenix and proclaimed the 17th to be Avnet Day. So not only are we proud to be members of the ecosystem, but we're proud to be recognized uh, as contributors in that regard. But but specific to ecosystem, uh, Karen, I think it just becomes a virtuous cycle, right? You know, you, you start with ed- education, you add Intel and high technology, you add companies like Avnet who can contribute to design in the mass market and then supply chain for everybody. And then pretty soon you, got some, you have 107 semiconductor companies represented here as we do. And now that we have that inertia, now we just keep it going with those same organizations that help to even make the environment better. Fantastic. This is a great time for us to give Arizona Commerce Authority some uh, accolades and appreciation as they are Arizona Tech Council's uh, 2021 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Let's listen to our wonderful sponsor. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here.
Great. So as we're talking about Arizona's rising leadership in the semiconductor realm, I wanted to just jump in and say that I've been reading a lot in the news lately about the National Semiconductor Economic Roadmap, or I think they're calling it ANSWER for short. Um, and I know Intel is a part of it. Angela, do you mind sharing a little bit about the history behind that or, or what you know about Intel's work with this roadmap recently? Intel has maintained a very positive um, presence in terms of our federal focus and all that we're doing on our federal policies and working with organizations to make sure that we're moving the entire industry forward. Um, so we, we have a number of collaborations like this one that's just working towards everything from funding of the CHIPS Act to helping us with statewide federal policies. So we're working on a number of different aspects of that roadmap just to move the entire industry forward. You know, you talked a little bit about the importance of the semiconductor industry and how it's kind of a rising focus in the state of Arizona. But we've been here for a while and we look forward to continuing to, to rise on that ship. So. True. I was doing some some reading about even Motorola doing some testing on the earliest transistors on the market back in the 1950s. So I think there's been a decades-long history of this momentum already. Absolutely. Tell us what technologies uh, are semiconductor manufacturers deploying at FABs to innovate existing processes? So I, I can cover a little bit about that. We're focusing really on two primary areas, process innovations and packaging. Process innovations are focused on the wafer level. And so while packaging is all about how you put the product together, we have a packaging de uh, technology development center in Arizona. And that's why we're also um, increasing our presence and building the two new fabs that I talked a little bit about. Those two new fabs will be in production in 2024. We'll add about 3,000 more individuals to our Arizona Intel team. Uh, half of those will be in manufacturing technicians. Uh, the other half will be in the engineering and the hard science fields. Um, so we're really looking at growing and deploying these new um, processes here, right here in Arizona. My son will be gradu graduating at about that time and wants to be an engineer. I'm going to have to have him set his sights on becoming part of the Intel team. <laughs> Please do so. We yeah. would love that. We've got 350 jobs on our board right now. So we'd, we'd love to have it. Alex, anything to add to that around the new technologies and what's going on there? I don't think not not from a uh, not from a manufacturing standpoint. You know, as a distributor with with many manufacturers in our line card that allow us to, to complete the cell of Intel processors and create solutions for customers. You know, there's a law in our business, and I'm sure, Angela, you're very familiar with it, called Moore's Law and simply stated the density of transistors are gonna double every two years. So it's a double and two. You know, there's a lot of talk as to whether or not, whether or not that's run out of gas. I'm not gonna comment on the physical properties of Moore's law. I mean, that's, that's up to people much brighter than me. But the potential for that to happen certainly has put the industry in other uh, composites. You know, we, we talk about silicon. Silicon is one semiconductor conductive element, but there's a lot of research and you know, germanium or gallium arsine or silicon carbide, all designed, you know, as Intel does with a process, I don't know if they call it this anymore, Angela, but TikTok, right? A die shrink and a process optimization just to get smaller every time and spend the billions of dollars to do that so that we can automate even more things as we go forward. So that's all I would add. Oh, great addition. 
That is a great addition. I'm bringing up Moore's lie. Just heard our our CEO mention that it's alive and well. So we're we're still living by that and continuing on that path. Absolutely. As a quick follow up question, too. I mean, and it really requires some bright minds to be working in this industry and to be creating solutions in this space. And um, I was reading that ASU is adding a school of manufacturing systems and networks, and that they're also adding a certificate in semiconductor processing. So I think higher education is very much attuned to the fact that this is a rising need. It's not going anywhere. So how, uh, what, what are you doing to sort of tap into this talent pipeline and make sure that it is as robust as it needs to be to continue doing this work you're doing? Uh, well, Alex, I'll jump right in here because this is, is something I am internally working on. <laughs> the talent pipeline, it, it's huge for us and workforce development and recruiting. Uh, we're putting a huge emphasis on that. As you know, we've got ASU with the largest engineering school in the country. Um, so that's going to be a, a tremendous resource for us. Uh, I spent 11 years working at ASU and am very proud to have been there. And now I'm working collaboratively with all of their teams to make sure that Intel is at the forefront of the hiring when that talent comes out of their engineering. So, yes, you talked about their advanced manufacturing school. It's going to be under the Fulton Schools of Engineering. I hope that we are collaborating uh, initially with them right out of the gate. That would be my goal. Uh, we're going to collaborate with all of our local universities as well as our community colleges. Uh, we have implemented a program that was actually the first in the country. One of my colleagues was instrumental in getting it set up with Chandler Gilbert Community College and Estrella Mountain, where they have the first AA in, in AI. So they have an associate's degree in AI, which is really, I know that's kind of fun to say, but it was the first in the country and they're very proud of that, um, that degree program. We are also working with Mesa Community College to um, stand up a boot camp for advanced manufacturing. So we'll be looking to do that starting in about March. And I hope that everyone will be watching for that because that will help us fill a lot of our technician roles. So we have a, a number of talent pipeline initiatives underway. We're going to collaborate with our entire P through 20 um, spectrum in the educational system. So we look forward to that talent just continuing to flow to not just Intel, but we hope to, to retain the best and the brightest. Well, Karen, I, I would add there that, you know, as I mentioned when we were uh, talking about an earlier subject, right, when you think in terms of the ecosystem, and my first mention was the, the fundamental need for a strong, strong educational system. So, so you know, ditto the things in importance and working with ASU, as Angela has said, you know, up to and including uh, in the very recent past, we ran a uh, program with ASU where in one of the schools, and I apologize, it escapes me, but we gave a substantial monetary price for startup ideas, right? So, you know, just trying to do everything we can to get our name in front. You know, certainly we're not recruiting at the level Intel is, uh, Angela, but 1,800 uh, professionals here in the Americas, you know, uh, as an example of a region, and we've got a lot of technical roles to fill as well. That's substantial. Certainly, uh, 1800, that's quite a few. So, I think in some of the recent conversations that Karen and I have been having too, we've seen um, a sort of rising trend in the fact that alongside emphasizing four-year degrees, you also have to encourage 
um, folks to enter the trades and to enter some of these technical programs um, that are able to meet these demands too. So um, I'm glad to hear some community college partnerships and things like that beyond the four-year university degrees. Bianca, you captured it perfectly because these technician programs, the boot camp is not going to be necessarily for someone who's gone on to higher education, but the trades, the community college partnership, we're looking for those um, students and or folks who are just have the strong technical skills. And that is a little bit of a shift for us. We've always required the bachelor's degree. We've always encouraged that. We'll continue to do so. But having that technical background will be instrumental as we, you know, build and put up two new fabs. So we really need the technical skills. And by the way, we're, we're both companies are working on that at earlier than Good. you can even imagine. Uh, both companies have been long-term supporters of First Robotics, which is a, a STEM-focused organization that actually uh, has high school students, you know, with coaches that volunteer build robots to a certain spec to be able to compete in games, you know, much like football or basketball. You know, Craig Barrett, for example, was a huge, you know, former Intel CEO, a huge supporter. Avnet's proud to say we have a board seat on the on the regional council here for first. So we're we're getting them early, guys. I was it's a great segue for me to share a little bit about the SciTech Institute, which is Arizona Technology Council's foundation, which is specifically focused on that K-12 education and getting these kids excited about STEM and the industry. And so Kelly Green, who is one of the directors for that program, she hosts her show at our studio as well. And it is STEM Unplugged. And she often brings a CSO, a, a chief science officer, a, a kiddo typically who's a sophomore or a junior at the high school who's taken upon themselves to align themselves with STEM and, excuse me, with SciTech Institute and making creating these clubs, right, and encouraging people to get involved in the robotics team and and bringing in people to talk about the industry that they serve. And so the show that we get to do here is phenomenal because we always pick a topic, advanced manufacturing, the autonomous vehicles, and, and you name it. I mean, it's been a fantastic program, and we're very pleased to have them on board with us because I, as a parent, I've got a 14-year-old and a couple who are in their 20s. We have to gear them towards a lot of opportunities, right? Those hands-on experiences, uh, just speaking to people who are doing things. I could never be an engineer. So I have to provide every opportunity for my kiddo to have that experience and help him decide which which you know aspect of engineering, engineering does he want to go to. In fact, at Corona High School that he's he'll be attending, uh, he can graduate with one of those AA degrees at the same time he graduates as a senior, which is super impressive. And of course, we have our, our team over at EVIT, doing a lot of the trade programs, and they have an engineering program as well. So if, if there's one thing that I often am proud of as a former teacher and an assistant principal and a parent, it is that Arizona, even though we get a bad rap for education, we are collectively and collaboratively saying, let's raise the bar. Let's get these kids. Let's create the workforce of tomorrow. So thank you guys for speaking to that. Let's see. Anything else to add to that, or shall I move on to our next question? Well, Karen, I think you really captured something perfectly that I I just like to emphasize, and it's we're we're far too critical of our education system. We're doing phenomenal things. I mean, you just you just captured some of them perfectly, and we've got great programs going in our K through twelve system as well as our higher education system. I think we just need to tell the positive story. Yep. So, so often we're focused on the negative, and and we really have got some wonderful things that are taking place. 
I want to say something about that as well as it relates to the business community here in Arizona. So I've owned the studio for four years now, and we broadcast right here out of Max 6 in Tempe. It's an entrepreneurial center, and we have a manufacturing space that uh, is part of our collective as well. When I first started the studio and we had these business conversations, people, I feel like uh, everything from enterprise on down to the medium Main Street businesses to the micro businesses, I think Arizonans tend to be humble about what we're doing. And we haven't until recently really been willing to tell those stories, the success stories. And we focus so heavily on what's not working. And more and more, I'm so pleased to see that the uh, the alignment, the collaboration, the the cheering each other on and making sure that the universities and our, our elementary schools to our high schools to large industry to small, everybody is saying, We're, we've got a lot to offer here. Right? I mean, that's how we go to 107 semiconductor uh, in, in one state. We, we, I think we need to continue to be humble and have humility, but also say to the world, hey, we are a force to be reckoned with when it comes to education, secondary education, and of course, the businesses and the industries we serve. All right, let me get off my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> on that note, let me let me uh, change our direction here for a moment. Uh, we need to talk about some of, this is an awful time to ask this question after the soapbox, but let's talk about some of the challenges that the semiconductor industry does face here in Arizona, right? We, it wouldn't be a worthy conversation if we didn't look at both sides of the coin. So what are the, fa- what are the challenges you're facing right now in Arizona? And then how are, how are we addressing those issues? Alex, I've been talking quite a bit. Would you like to take this one first? So I think from a from a semiconductor industry point of view, you know, like Intel, I'm a sorry guys, we have a soliciting call. I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm not a a, manu- a semiconductor manufacturing company per se. I'm a distributor for those. I mean, I can talk you know ad nauseum about the challenges that the industry is experiencing. Uh, globally, right, which are really, you know, uh, part and parcel and a result of what we've talked about up to this point. It's the proliferation of semiconductors in all segments, which are creating shortages. Uh, This happened long before COVID hit us. COVID became an accelerant to this, but this has really been going on, you know, uh, really showed itself in uh, late 2016 and then all of 2017, why we were allocated the most passive devices, but it really was a metaphor for the fact that over 10 years, uh, Intel notwithstanding, we really haven't in general invested a lot in the supply chain and and in manufacturing capacity. And as such, our supply chain was very, very tight. When all industries went crazy and we started to see the effects of proliferation, then we realized just, you know, what kind of state we were in. COVID accelerated it, right? Because not only did you have this increasing demand, but in June of 2020, you know, the answer there across all industry was, okay, stop, right? And we went to the bottom, and then we had to come back up. And now we're talking semiconductors, right? We're really good on the down. It's an off switch. Coming up, we're up against physics, right? So it just exacerbates this problem over time. Angela, please. Yeah, so I, I think you captured it well. Um, and I, I've talked a little bit you know, about the challenges with workforce development, but I really see those as opportunities because as we look to bring on at least 3,000 more individuals to our Arizona team, I think the talent pipeline is probably the biggest challenge. And it's not going to be, are they talented enough, but it's going to be, can we graduate them and do what we need to do to ensure their success at Intel um, and bring them on fairly rapidly. We're only looking at about, you know, 15 months to to two years out before we need these full 3,000 individuals. So it's a challenge, yes, but it's also an opportunity because 
With that, we created all of these unique partnerships. We're looking to expand our partnerships with the local universities. And so that just creates new opportunities for us. So I, I hate to even call them a challenge. Um, but one thing that we're really going to have to look at is some of our environmental issues. I think we have a phenomenal story on the waterfront. You know, we've got energy and water, but those are very top of mind for us. And we have done some remarkable things in terms of recycling and reusing our fresh water. We do 95% of that's recycled right there on in uh, Chandler. So we have big goals on the waterfront. Uh, we want to be 100% water neutral by 2030. And so that's going to be a challenge for us as well. We're going to have to look at new and innovative ways to contribute back to the water supply. Um, we have 16 different projects that we have taken on where we're looking at just um, re revitalizing the water supply. And we've, we've even taken on some crop conversion projects because we know agriculture has a huge impact on water. So we're going to look at new and innovative ways to reach our, our water goals as well. And so that may be considered a new challenge, but also an opportunity for us. Well said. Thank you. Uh, we have a few more topics we want to discuss before we're done with our segment today. And before we move on to those, I'd like to give a shout out to our other sponsor, uh, JDH Insights. They are the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor for Arizona Technology. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Let's hear from them. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. Great. So I know that there are so many different factors at play, so many pieces to the puzzle in terms of making Arizona conducive to, um, sorry about that, about uh, to semiconductor manufacturing and um, all of the good stuff that you two are doing at your organizations. And um, I know that the U.S. passed the Innovative um, and Competition Act, um, the U.S. Senate passed it back in June. So there's a lot of uh, policy things that we have to keep an eye on too. Um, that specifically included $52 billion to boost domestic semiconductor production. So I'm curious um, in the wake of that, are there certain state or federal policies that the two of you are keeping your eyes on at this point in time? I'd say from, well, do you mind if I go, Angela? Jump right in. I'd say from, from our standpoint, Bianca, you kind of captured it uh, in the preamble relative to the AZ Tech Council and the kinds of things that we're working on, but they're really in one category. And the category is what makes it, you know, conducive for business to flourish in Arizona, you know, with a mind's eye toward the environment that we affect while we do it and uh, any other mitigating factors, you know, relative to, you know, the Semiconductor Act and everything that's going on. I mean, our, our comment would only be that anything that helps balance supply chains, right, you know, and, and uh, create efficiencies for customers, allow us to, you know, speed delivery, accelerate development, accelerate or decelerate costs are good things. So that would be our, our position. Alex, before uh, Angela jumps in, I'm curious, um, 
you mentioned the environmental aspect and Angela already spoke to some of the environmental policies that Intel is adopting or exploring. Is Avnet taking on anything similar at this point in time? Well, I, I think, you know, any any company that's in the Fortune 500, let alone in the 100 uh, uh, to 200 as Avnet is, um, has to have a, a significant sustainability uh, strategy. And without boring you with the details, let me just say an unequivocal yes. Uh, we do that for two reasons. You know, one is because we are environmentally responsible from a cultural standpoint. And then we get a little help from, you know, the massive business we do with the government where, you know, those types of things are flown to, flowed down, which is great. So we're operating uh, along that path, you know, everything from controlling our carbon inputs to making sure that we're doing the right things with our water. Of course, you know, distribution isn't as water intensive as semiconductor manufacturer, Angela, of course. <laughs> of course. We have a lot of drinking fountains, right? <laughs> We're not using it for much else. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. And Angela, feel free to jump in. Yeah, so you, you talked about the CHIPS Act and how that was passed in June. Now we are looking for funding of that. We're coming towards the end of the year. So we're really hoping that... Um, the U.S. government will step up and this bipartisan effort to support the funding of the CHIPS Act. You know, we've already talked a little bit about semiconductors and their importance, right, to, our, to almost every aspect of the American economy, from autos to retailers, and, and the impacts of COVID-19 and how much we realize that dependence. Um, but what a lot of people didn't realize is that America's share of domestically produced semiconductors has declined from 37% in 1990 to 12%. So today we're only manufacturing 12% of the semiconductor market. We believe that we need to increase that and level the playing field. Uh, so Intel's goal, and we, we put our money where our mouth is, we're definitely committing 60 to $100 billion to increase that manufacturing here in the U.S., um, but we are at a disadvantage because you have other countries that are subsidizing semiconductor manufacturing substantially. The People's Republic of China committed over $15 billion towards semiconductor manufacturing. So we need to, that, that put us at about a 30 to 50% cost disadvantage um, to manufacturing chips in the U.S. So we want really want to put an effort into communicating to our legislators that we need that uh, CHIPS Act funding. Uh, we want to continue with our growth here in the U.S. and Europe, and we're really looking to see um, that federal investment come through here in the near term. Along those lines, let's continue to talk about the long-term economic benefits of inviting more semiconductor manufacturers into the U.S. and deepening the investment specifically in Arizona. I would say there that that kind of kind of covered, you know, in the in the sense that you know as we as we develop this, you know, what is today burgeoning and, and gets bigger all the time, high technology uh, segment, not just semiconductors, but all the things around it, you know, that's when you start to hear people talk about, well, maybe we should be Silicon Desert, you know, to go with uh, Northern California's Silicon Valley. You know, maybe what I said earlier about changing of materials will will take the silicon out of the name. But I think that's what we aspire to. And I think that we're in uh, we're in competition. We're in competition with cities in Texas. And, you know, uh, and, and I think there are, there are things we can do to promote everything we've talked about in the ecosystem from education to ultimately the manufacturing that Intel does so well. 
and then all the things that are derived from that, which just touch all aspects of our economy. So I look at it as very holistic, positive. I would agree. When you when you just look at the U.S. semiconductor industry, and I kind of focus a little bit on that, but there's over 250,000 jobs in the U.S., and then indirectly, they support another 1 million jobs. And then if I bring that home, the impact with just our latest FAB, um, FAB 42, that brought the uh, economic impact in Arizona to $8.6 billion, and that's 2019 data. So if you add two more FABs to that, we're going to increase our economic impact on the state of Arizona well over $10 billion. That's, that's tremendous. The benefits to the semiconductor manufacturers and the entire economy in Arizona, but in, in the U.S. Um, alone, has a huge impact. And we're grateful to have partners like Abnet um, and others that are supporting our efforts, whether it's the CHIPS Act or other things that we can do at the state level that helps with R&D or our, some of our stranded credits. We're, we're going to work on all of those to maintain this economic impact. Now, I'm curious, too, from, from the distribution and supply chain perspective, we had a couple of uh, manufacturing organizations on TechCast last month, and they were talking a lot about this conversation that's happening where, you know, a couple decades ago, it was all about offshoring and moving things overseas to, you know, save costs. And, and now there's a conversation of, well, maybe that's not feasible anymore in today's age. So how can we bring it back to the U.S.? And what conversations are happening internally at your organizations, or um, is this applicable? Well, I, I you know, I, we've often thought about uh, low-cost manufacturing or low-cost anything like like chasing the, the level of water, right? It's finally going to level out. So if the person on your question, Bianca, is do we swing too far one way or the other, you know, I'd say yes. I mean, there was a time when either outsourcing or offshoring or offshoring or reshoring, you know, these are the words that that had to be used in order to appeal to Wall Street to make sure they knew you were on the right track. I think today it's more about optimization, or at least should be more about optimization and alignment of resources, right? It's not always good to go offshore, right? There could be reasons. You know, I always use the example uh, the poor gentleman who ran a company that was building arc welders, right? These are machines that that weigh tons, but this was during the time when that was so in vogue, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And he was lamenting the fact that, you know, he had to tell the analyst, yep, I'm going to offshore. And he would waste everything in profits with shipping, you know, tonnage back over. So, so I think that that we're a little bit more balanced today, you know, relative to optimizing. We have to be. Right. We have supply chain issues, not only in semiconductors, but all over the world. And the first thing that you have to do is look at the overall and make sure that you're optimized to flow. So I think it's less about what geography or where it goes and more about is that the, the best way to use your capital? Is that the most valuable place to put it rather than, hey, you know, let's just all go to a low cost region? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Angela, do you have anything to add to that? Just when I when I think about and I don't disagree with anything Alex said it was it was perfect um, but even when I just look at something like our modern defense systems we rely directly and indirectly on very sophisticated electronics powered by semiconductors and so when you look at that and you consider where that work is being done we're relying heavily on foreign foreign countries to manufacture that kind of um, that kind of 
semiconductor. So I would just say let's let's balance it um, globally and let's bring some of that back home because we do believe Intel is a great American story and we love to tell that story. I love how you phrased that. Thank you so much. And um, I know my next question is 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 to learn a little bit more as the year is winding down here, if we can believe it, it's almost Thanksgiving next week, which blows my mind. But I'm curious, um, what are some of your organizational priorities going into the new year and how are you setting yourselves up now to achieve those priorities in the new year? I think in, in my case, it's, it's making sure that we are aligned. And I don't mean this to sound like, you know, taking two different positions, but amongst all the segments that are growing and all the segments that are proliferating technology, we still have to make bets. Uh, on which segments, you know, are most important to us in whatever context it is, strategically, growth-wise, profitability, what have you. So I think uh, I'll, I'll answer that where Angela started. We're just in a wonderful time in this business. It's super exciting. What a great problem to have, right? The really, the only problem is the fact that resources are, are finite. So our plans are all about objectively looking at the market, deciding where we can uh, create the most value and then deploying there. And I, I think I talked when we first started a little bit about our CEO and his goals, but that is, that's something that I just don't think I can emphasize enough. We are looking to grow, develop. Um, we have plans, not just here in the U.S., but substantial plans in Europe as well. So really, it's full steam ahead. I mean, he's this, this CEO, Pat, has just done a remarkable job with motivating and getting everyone encouraged to meet what we call our RISE goals. So we have uh, a number of goals set out for us. The two new fabs in Arizona are a huge piece of that um, shift that we're making. And um, we, we actually call those boundaries. So it's a change in our direction. But it, it's certainly something that's going to keep all of us at Intel moving forward. And we're going to do so at a very rapid pace. And with that growth comes a lot of hiring, right? I mean, I know that uh, semiconductor manufacturing already employs over 22,000 people in Arizona alone. And I was reading that these the new fabs are going to be employing several thousands of new Arizonans or other folks that are, are calling Arizona home. Um, so it's very exciting to see it all play out. Very exciting. Yes, over 3,000 to be hired in Chandler. Wow, that's great. My, my home, I love it. <laughs> Well, we are so appreciative of both of you spending time with us today. We're winding down our conversation, and I just want to make sure that we have had a chance to speak to, obviously, what do you predict ahead? I, I know we've talked a lot about what's happening even just next year, as, as Bianca asked her last question, but the future is bright, right, when it comes to the semi semiconductor industry and Arizona being a semiconductor central. Any predictions that we haven't spoke to uh, in our future around the industry and, and the impact that's having on the U.S. and the world? Angela? You want to jump in or do you want <laughs> Please. I'd be happy Please. to. All right. So I would agree. Our future looks bright. Um, we're going to be looking at new and innovative ideas. Our, you know, Some of our um, new technology will be transitioning and, and we'll be making that more public. So we're just really, really excited about the future. I talked a lot about our goals, whether it's our water restoration projects, our environmental goals, our goals to the community where we contribute back, you know, millions of dollars to our community. We're here. We've been here for 40 years in, in Arizona. We're excited about our future here. And I just think as we look to 
increase our presence and grow our partnerships, whether it's with educational institutions or whether it's with our Colorado River Indian tribes and our conservation programs. We're going to look across the spectrum and this entire ecosystem and see how we can move forward together. So it's just a really exciting time to be in Arizona. Couldn't couldn't agree more. And, you know, when you think of distribution and our design chain and supply chain bias at Avnet, you know, we've built a company where we have over a million customers right across the Avnet universe, and then another million individuals in two online communities, right, that are focused in a couple of different ways. But, but regardless of that focus, it gives us an unbelievable vantage point as to what's going to come, and I wouldn't know where to start. But I would also, you know, probably say we can expect it to be smaller. We can expect it to be faster. We can expect it to draw less power, and we can expect it to automate every fire, pot, and water out there. <laughs> well said. Well very, said. Very well said. And I'm curious, Alex, given the trajectory of your career and, and the longevity when you sit and look at what's transpired uh, in the time that you've been in the industry, are you in awe or you're, were you kind of like, I predicted that? Or, I mean, you've got to be so proud and, and I think excited as well. I guess I am. When you, when you think about tenure in the industry, I think I should, you know, warm up my rocker and put my shawl <laughs> down and tell you how it was. But I've always been an early adopter of technology, you know, from the back phone that I carted you know, around the world, uh, you know, ultimately the bricks and, you know, you guys all come in at some point, you know, flip phones, those sorts of things. I don't think anything was unexpected, largely from the standpoint when you spend enough time in this business, you you have to expect the unexpected. And I, I never, with that as a mantra, I never, ever am disappointed. So yeah, the changes have been fantastic. And I do reflect back and say, it's, it's unbelievable. That takes me back to, again, knowing so many incredible Intel engineers and employees and, and you know, in conversations over barbecues, like, what are you working on now? They're like, well, you'll hear about it in, you know, six years, 10 years. <laughs> I'm not allowed to speak about it, but it's always so fascinating uh, what, what everybody's up to. Thank you both. I, I've so enjoyed uh, sharing the stage with Bianca, of course, for the first time. She's always the one who puts these uh, beautiful panels together in the topic. So thank you, Bianca, for, for being uh, able and, and willing to stand in for Steve today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. You've been listening to Arizona Tech Cast, brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's Arizona Tech Cast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Thank you, Arizona Commerce Authority. And also many thanks to JDH Insights, the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as tech expert, influencer, and innovator. And you can start the subject line, hello, Bianca, right? Yes. <laughs> you got a warm lead now. That's right, warm, warm lead and a direct introduction. Until right. next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thank you again for joining us for AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.